All right, we're in a message series where we're looking at the themes from some of the movies this summer and comparing and contrasting the themes of the movies with the scripture. Now, this movie, usually we would show a trailer uh, from the movie. This movie we're looking at this this week. I'm not going to show a trailer. I don't want to promote the movie in any way, shape, or form. Uh, as you maybe saw that movie on the list, saw the trailer yourself, you're going, wow, this is going to be interesting. Let's see what Randy does with this. Um, this is this this movie. It, it, I, I do want you to know, don't don't go to this movie. That's my that's my advice. Um, I did not go to this movie. Don't plan to. Um, there's a theme in this genre of movie that comes out. It shows up over and over again. It's popular uh, right now for sure. There's a theological statement called the Westminster Shorter Catechism, and first question in that is, what is the chief end of man? And the answer is, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That actually reflects scriptural teaching and understandings that you find in the Bible. The, this movie, this genre of movies would answer that question. The chief aim of man is to have fun and party. <laughs> That's what it would say. In this series, we're, like I said, comparing the themes of the movies to what Scripture says about them. This is a theme you find in many, many movies. The Hangover franchise is an example. Bridesmaids is the female answer to the Hangover franchise. Um, these movies show the party without the consequences. Because uh, there's a problem with movies in, the, in themselves is... Uh, the outcomes don't always match what you find if you actually do what you see on the screen. The outcomes are different. Because with the stroke of a pen or with the keys of a keyboard, the screenwriter can decide whatever outcome he wants to decide. He can fix things in a moment. So the truth is that uh, there's the way that we would like the world to work. And then there's the way it actually works. And so what we're looking at in this, in this passage is how it, in this message series is how it actually works. Our culture is the equivalent of a strong current pulling against reality, trying to suck us down the river in the direction that's opposite uh, from the way God would want us to go. And parents, especially fathers, your assignment is to help your kids learn how life really works. I was thinking this week of my dad when he was teaching me to drive. And um, I had trouble with one judgment call when I was learning to drive. And it was when you're pulling up to a light that's turning yellow, I couldn't decide whether to floor it (laughs) and speed through the intersection or stop. I was really bad at this. And my dad, he warned me that's what fathers should do. He warned me. If you don't figure this out and learn how to decide when to stop and when to go, you're going to get a ticket. That's what he said. I'm sure in the back of his mind he said, you might die. Okay, you need to pay attention to this. And my dad, as I was learning to drive, 15 and a half, learning to drive, he had a move that he did. And I could see it out of the peripheral corner of my eye when I did the wrong thing in an intersection. It was this move like this. And that, that move right there, 
that was like a paragraph, paragraph's worth of communication right there, because what he was saying is, I'm trying to tell you, figure this out, because you might die. That's what he was saying. And, and at the time, I, I thought, well, what is he all upset about? You know, I, but now I know, as a parent, I get it. He, was, he turned out to be a prophet. My father was a prophet in this instance. He was trying to show me how life was really going to work, and it turned out to be the right. There's a boundary. You cross the boundary. You are going to pay. I kept crossing the boundary. Sure enough, I cross it at the right time. The popo saw me do it. And I got, I got a ticket. I paid the fine. I, I ended up paying. The major theme for this message series is that box office wisdom must match God's word to be real. That, that's what I found to be the truth. God gives commands, and he allows us to decide whether or not we're going to do uh, what he commands. We decide whether we're going to obey. But what he does is he sets up boundaries for life that line up with what's real. He, he decides what's real. So he sets these boundaries up. And if you break through those boundaries, then eventually you get hurt. If you don't get hurt immediately, eventually you get hurt and you break yourself against the reality if you keep going. You're going to break yourself against it. So in the Bible, the way life really works is called wisdom. It's one of the main word for the way life really works. And in Proverbs, Proverbs is a book about wisdom, very practical, everyday advice about wisdom for all kinds of uh, areas of life. And in Proverbs 1, wisdom is personified as a woman. And this is what wisdom says. Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the markets, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy street, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. Now, what's going on is people are living their life. And wisdom is trying to get their attention. She's screaming, trying to get their attention. Because that's how you learn. We learn through experience by making a decision and either paying the price or having it turn out for our blessing or good. So she's trying to get our attention in the middle of life. In verse 22, it says, How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. God lets us decide whether or not we live life his way. That's, That's what he does. We get to choose. But he's built in. The, 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 the reality of wisdom into the way life works. This is how it really works. And so let me translate this verse for, for you. Why would we keep beating ourselves over the head with a hammer when we can just do what God asks us to do and avoid that and find his blessing? In the movie, That's My Boy, the main character is what the Bible would call a fool. Uh, there are Harold Bullock's here, and he's going to be leading. He and his wife, Deborah, they're here. You guys, could you wave? <laughs> I introduced him last week, so I'm going to introduce him this week. But he, he's done some study in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew of the Old Testament, 
And there are nine different words for fool in Hebrew. And he's seen through the patterns of Scripture, and you can compile the verses. He's come up with six uh, profiles of foolish strategies, fools and the strategies they uh, take at living uh, life. And so that, that one-day seminar, he's going to cover these. And these, these strategies, he's going to show how they affect our, our uh, family life, our work life, everything, or the way we handle our finances. He's going to show how they play out and how to avoid allowing those to undermine your success. So that's coming up. I really would recommend you uh, attending that one-day seminar, especially if you've never heard uh, him walk through that. But this character shows up in a lot of movies. The main character in That's My Boy is, is a fool, a certain kind of fool. Um, in, in my opinion, uh, or no, not in my opinion, but this character has a name in the Bible. It's a funway fool. It's the funway fool. And in Hebrew, it's sakal, C-A-K-A-L. Um, their dominant approach to life is this. They're focused on desire. Whatever they want, they dive into it. They are ruled by their desire for fun and pleasure. So they're the fun way fool. Their characteristics of the way they go at life, they're impulsive. They're irresponsible. And many times they end up deprived because whatever it is they want, drugs, sex, alcohol, whatever it is, they get obsessed and they have, it's like they just cannot see anything else from what they, but what they want. Regardless of the consequences, they just go after that. And they, they pay a high price for that, that pattern in their life. Because if you f- blindly follow your desires, it's going to cost you. Proverbs 11.6 says this. The righteousness of the upright delivers them, but the unfaithful are trapped by their desires. If you cave in to blind desires like the character in this movie, uh, these desires are a trap. They are not the road to freedom. They are not the thing that paves the way to freedom. You're going to pay a high price. To this specific character, this is what God says in Jeremiah 5, 21 and 22. Hear this, O foolish, that's the word sackle in Hebrew, the word foolish there. Hear this, O foolish, in other words, fun way fool. This is what you need to hear. You foolish and senseless people who have eyes but see not, who have ears but hear not. They're blind desire. They're blind to the consequences. Do you not fear me, declares the Lord? Do you not tremble before me? The antidote to foolish tendencies, the first step out of the foolish tendencies on the path of wisdom is to fear God. It's a very important thing. To fear God means that, first of all, you realize he's watching you as you live your life. You factor him in to your life. You realize he's watching. You take him seriously. You respect him. And you stay within the boundaries he's set for life. In our culture, the boundaries are being erased. And this movie is a mockery. What it does, it mocks the things that are important to God, and it, keeps, it pushes the edge of what's, access, what's acceptable in our culture. And the thing about movies is they don't have to line up with reality. We go in, we have an experience, we're on a date, or we're enjoying some popcorn. I really like popcorn with a lot of butter. We're enjoying it, we're watching the movie, 
And we have an experience. We live life for an hour and a half or two hours through the people on the screen, and things turn out a certain way. And if we're not careful, the ideas in the movie begin to lodge themselves. The, the, the character may be despicable and ridiculous, but they're sort of lovable, so your heart kind of moves in a certain direction. We have to watch that. That's the whole point uh, of this message series. One of the main points is to watch that. The cumulative effect of these kinds of movies that keep pushing the edge of what's acceptable is that you watch them and you get desensitized to really awful stuff. And you end up approving in your heart or moving toward approval of what's really detestable. And you never on the screen see the consequences of these choices. The truth is we can't bend reality to fit our desires. It it can't be done. There are commands about life and family relationships, marriage, and the right boundaries for sex inside of marriage that we should not bend or break. And really, we can't bend them, no matter how hard we try. When we do, we hurt ourselves and the others around us. A parent's role in life is to learn how life really works, And then show your kids. In a nutshell, that's it. You learn from God how life really works. And then you begin to show your kids. If you're not yet a believer, as I talk through this message today, you'll see what it means to be a Christian parent. You can get an idea of what what it means to walk with the Lord Jesus. If if you're not a parent, you, you may be an aunt or an uncle or a friend of people who have kids, and you can learn to be more supportive in that role. If you're a grandparent... You can learn to support and undermine, uh, uh, not undermine, sorry. (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay, let's forget that. I'm going to show you a picture right now. Okay, that's maybe where that's coming from. (laughs) That's a picture of uh, my grandson, Blake, and we gave him that truck for his first birthday, and that look on his face is why grandparents end up spending a lot of money. Okay, that right there is the reason. And what I was trying to say is, as we talk through this, you you can, as a grandparent, support and not undermine what the parents are trying to accomplish. That's very, very important. Um, By and large, movies in our culture choose the attitude that God isn't watching. He, He is not a factor in everyday life, and he is not real. This movie certainly takes that approach. The truth is, your attitude toward God can really bless your children. It can make a tremendous difference. God's wisdom is revealed in his commands. And so he says in Deuteronomy 5, and you get a a glimpse of God's heart. Oh, that they had such a mind as this always, to fear me and keep all my commandments that it might go well with them. And with their descendants forever. This passage shows God's heart for people and families. He wants life to go well. He wants us to do well. He wants it to be good for us. The key to life going well begins with the attitude of fearing God. It's the attitude we choose toward him. And I think it's best demonstrated by what we do with his word, the Bible, what he says, what he tells us to do. And as we choose to step out to obey him, we're, 
we're showing and demonstrating an attitude of fearing God. Scriptures make us wise. That's what the Bible tells us. They, they make us wise. They show us the way to live in line with the way life really works. If you set your heart on doing God's commands out of respect for him, over time, life goes better and better. You're going to have trouble. We all have trouble. But as you work through trouble, keeping your your heart and mind set on God and his perspective and learning to do that, we're not going to do it perfectly, but as we learn to do that, life comes together. The role of a Christian father is to show their children how to obey God. That's, that's our role. To the extent that you show them how to obey God, you're planting seeds that could blossom into a life of blessing. When there's a pattern of disobedience, then you're building cracks into the foundation of their life that they're either going to have to respond uh, against or shore up somehow if they're going to do well or it's going to crumble. So it's very, very important the role we play. There's a lot of power in the example that we give. And so I want to wrap the message up by looking at how to leverage the power of an example, the power of example in in parenting. Kids need a video instruction manual for life. Words, Words are not enough. We have to show them how to live. And so first of all, first thing we can do to leverage the power of example is set the right example. We're setting an example one way or the other. They're picking stuff up. But we want to set the right example. Deuteronomy 6 says, You shall love the Lord your God your heart, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Some people, God, God is explaining here. He had Moses write this down for us. And he's explaining to us um, how to be a a Christian parent, how to transfer uh, the right values and understandings and perspective to your kids. Some people I know have the ability to read lips. They, they can watch somebody talk, read the lips. Your kids have the ability to read your heart. And that's why God's saying this. They can read your heart. Your lips are not going to be able to convince them of something that isn't in your and a part of you. It's just not going to happen. What's in your heart shows up in your words and deeds, and you're setting an example for your kids. The words that you say, uh, are they wholesome or not? Are they helpful or not? Do they build up or tear down? The attitudes you exhibit. Do you fear God? Do you factor him into everyday life? Do you exhibit faith? Are you trusting him? Are you choosing humility? Humility turns out to be an incredibly important quality and attitude in life. Because if you're humble, you can work hard with other people and enjoy the time and, and still get the goal accomplished as you, as you work toward it. You're humble. You can work together. People are willing to do that with you. If you're proud, you repel. And it makes it a much bumpier road. It's a dangerous thing. So are you living out humility before the people, teachability, patience? As you face challenges, how are you handling those? And then your kids are watching the words, your attitudes, how you treat people. Do you show genuine kindness to people or not? Uh, what, what you treat as unimportant or important. Kids are watching this. 
your, your life, I predict, your family life swirls around something. There's something at the center that it swirls around. As you look at your schedule, it's kind of like the solar system has a sun. We're all revolving around it. Your, your family life is revolving around something. And the kids are, are seeing this. Is it revolving around activities for their fun and pleasure, or is it revolving around God and his people, what he wants done in the world? That, they're picking this up. That's important. How, how, you, how do you handle disappointment frustration? Do you scream and yell or patiently work through conflict and problems? And, and none of us are going to bat a thousand. We are all working through this. We're all a work in progress. But these are the kind of things we need to keep in mind and get the right stuff on our heart because you and I can't fake it. We just can't fake it. What's in our hearts is going to spill out in front of our kids as we live life with them. And so we need to keep growing and changing ourselves. All of us are a work in progress. I found that God keeps growing and changing me to a great extent as I soak up his word. That's why the scripture, the passage says, get the commands on your heart. As I get them on my heart, as I read them, uh, consistently and let God speak to me through them, he changes me. Because what I'm learning is the truth that matches reality. And I can soak them up, and that's why this command is here. We need to ask God to keep changing us, changing our hearts to be more like his. God's word is the mirror. We get into it. We're living life. And God's word is the mirror, and he uses it many times as wisdom calling to us in the middle of life, trying to show us where we're, where we're off base, where we're off track, and then we get back on track. So God, God wants parents to set the right example for their kids and then to explain the example as you live it. Deuteronomy 6 says, You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way when you lie down and when you rise. As, as you and your children live life, you, you can talk about God's perspective in the situations that you're facing. And so you, you may not know a lot of scriptures right now. Maybe you're just starting out in your walk with the Lord or you don't know a, a bunch of scripture. You don't have a bunch memorized. You don't need to have it memorized. But start with what you know and start learning more, letting God speak to you and then Tell your kids what you've applied yourself. Translate it to them because they're going to be facing the same kinds of situations that you have faced. Learn to do God's word and then explain it to them. Verse that's really challenged me many times when I'm unappreciated is Luke 17, 10. It says, as for you, or no, it says, so you also, when you've done everything you were told to do, should say, I'm an unworthy servant. I am only doing my duty. I've only done my duty. This is the attitude we should have. Now, when I'm unappreciated, I haven't gotten the thank you that I feel like I should have got or the credit. Credit goes to somebody else and not me. What are we tempted to do? Throw a fit, yell and scream, and get the attention we think we deserve. Well, that kind of takes some of the fun out of it, really. This, this verse God's used to speak to me about living my life before him to please him, not the people around me. And when I'm unappreciated, it's a reminder to just, God, I'm living for you. I trust you to bring the reward that you want to bring and let him do it. 
you learn that God speaks to you through that passage, and then you learn to help your kids who are going to feel misunderstood, overlooked, unappreciated. You begin to help them gain God's perspective as they're living life and facing the same kind of situation. Because what God wants us to do is he wants us to teach our children what he's been teaching us. Ezra 7.10 says, For Ezra, Ezra was a man in the Old Testament who really led the people of Israel well. It says, Ezra set his heart to study the law of the Lord, to do it, and to teach his statutes and rules in Israel. Notice the order. Study, do, then teach. It's impossible to teach some things that you can't do yourself. Hitting a baseball is like that. Playing the piano is like that. Many things in life are like that. Living life is the same way. You can't teach your children to do something you don't know how to do yourself. So we must show them. They need a video manual. Several years ago, uh, I was evaluating one of my siblings to my mom. And um, that's I'm being kind to myself. Uh, and you'll find out that, you know, I'm not, it's not that pretty in a moment. But I was talking about one of my siblings to my mom. And you know how when you're, you're upset about something and you're sharing with other people, you really want, you want them to get on your bandwagon, you know. And, and I noticed my mom wouldn't budge. Every time I talked about this, she wouldn't budge. But she had a look on her face. She was a very kind person. She would never come back and get on me for this. I'm, you know, she was very appropriate and stuff. So, but I saw this look of displeasure on her face when I'd start doing this. And so one morning, I read in Psalm 50. And in Psalm 50, there's a description of wicked, the wicked. And there's a list of the kinds of things that the wicked do. And this description is in Psalm 50. I think it's verse 12. You sit and speak against your brother. You slander your own mother's son. And God, through that verse, spoke to my heart, said, Randy, you're doing exactly what the wicked do. That is horrible. It is wicked. You need to stop. And so I confessed to God, God, you're right. Went to my mom, got it straightened out with her, and I've done my best to stop that. See, that's a dot that I'm not going to connect unless I'm getting into the Scripture and trying to let God speak to me, trying to hear him, what he says to me. If, if you'll just do that, get into the word and let him speak, he connects dots on how life really works. And then you can explain that to your kids. You can tell them all that you're learning. And you can begin to connect dots for them. But you can't do it unless you yourself experience God's training and teaching. So God wants us to set the example, to explain it, and then create an encouraging atmosphere. Ephesians 6.4 is a great description of kind of overview of how to be a parent from God's perspective. It says, And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. That, that word provoke, it means to tease or harp on your kids to the point where they begin to resent you. Dads are great at this. The Bible never wastes words. 
when it says something, you know, it's God's the one writing it, so he knows how we're wired, and he, he's very to the point. Don't do that. Dads are great at that. Stop it. But bring them up. That, that phrase in the Greek this was originally written in has this idea of warmth, that you bring them up in a certain atmosphere of warmth and concern. Uh, you're bringing them up to maturity. You cherish them. And you're training them. That's your goal. In the training of the Lord and the admonition of the Lord, the verse goes on. The training means aggressive instruction that shapes who your child will be. That's the idea there, and admonition. It contains the idea of situational coaching. That's what I've been talking about. Um, What you say and how you say it creates the atmosphere in your home more than anything else. So we need to be careful. We're filling the air with our words, and that's creating an atmosphere. Here are three things. If if you'll take the initiative to begin to build up your kids by what you say and how you say it, it will make a difference. Here are three things you can say to your kids that will really help them. First of all, I love you. They need to hear it. They need to hear it often if they're younger. They need the reassurance. But even if your kids are adults, they still need to hear it. A second thing, it can be done and you can do it with God's help. I remember I asked Lindsay for permission to share this. My daughter's 22 now. Uh, She just graduated from college. And she had an assignment when she was a sophomore in high school in her logic and debate class. It It was unbelievable. First year teacher. And she was working through this assignment. She was getting overwhelmed. She wanted to stop it and just quit and give up. And in my mind, as she's kind of really having a struggle, overwhelmed with this, I'm thinking, that teacher is nuts. What were they thinking, giving this assignment to a sophomore? Thankfully, I didn't say that. What I said to Lindsay is, you can do it. What you need to focus on is doing the best you can do, the best you can do with this assignment. And God will help you do that. He will give you the help you need. That's what our kids need to hear. Jeremiah 32, 17 says, Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Nothing is. As we face life and deal with the adversity and the trouble and the challenges that come up, God wants to help, and he can help you do exactly what he wants you to do the best you can. The third thing our kids need to hear is that God is real. We need to live like that. The most important thing you can do as a parent is show your kids that God is real by the way you talk and the way you live because he's the one who's made reality the way it is. He's the work the way it does. I'm going to lead us in prayer, and I'd like to ask Alex to come up. He's going to walk us through some next steps to help us apply the message. And as as Alex and the band come up to to the stage, I'd like to lead us in prayer. Father, we we come to you and honor your holy name. You You are great and mighty, and you have shown us in the scriptures how life really works. And I pray that you'd help us, God to take the steps you've laid on our heart today to obey you, to please you, 
and to honor you and to, to experience your blessing as we take those steps, God. Thank you for your kindness to us. Thank you for being willing to speak to us and, and work with us right where we're at and change our hearts to be more like you. Thank you for your help, God. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. Thanks, Randy. Uh, as Randy mentioned, uh, there's some next steps that you can take. Uh, on the back of your connection card that you've begun filling out, if you've not yet done that yet, uh, go ahead and do that. In a moment, we're going to be receiving our offering, and you can drop this in there. But on the back side of the connection card are some next steps that we've suggested for you. I know in my own life, uh, growth happens as I choose to take a step, one step at a time. And so we've given some that you can take. If there's one that you've thought of or God's shown you during the message, you can write that as well on those blank lines at the bottom. But the first step you might want to take is uh, today to thank God for the right examples uh, you've had in life. Uh, maybe there's been one or two people in your life that have really shown what Randy just spoke about, people that showed that God is real and have encouraged you in that. Uh, take the time to thank that person, but also just to thank God for providing uh, those people in your life. Uh, second, maybe you've never committed your life to Christ as the boss. Maybe he doesn't call the shots and is not in control of your life. Uh, we encourage you to take that decision and make that step today. Uh, so for the first time, if, if you've never done that, you can accept God's forgiveness in Christ and you can follow him as the Lord, the boss of your life. Uh, if you're not sure what that means or looks like, uh, you can mark that on your connection card and we'll send you some resources and we can talk with you if you'd like that and explain what that means in your life. But that's where the power comes from to change and to influence uh, those in your life as well. And then last, you might want to sign up for the, the Wisdom Conference. Uh, Randy's been talking about how God guides us to wisdom and uses wisdom so we know how life really works. If you'd just like to learn more about that, uh, that seminar will be a great opportunity uh, to do that. So we're going to be uh, receiving our offering as the band uh, plays through our next song, and you can drop this connection card in there.